Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by two friends, the childhood one, Chris Dow. Old Dairy Brewery. And my adulthood chum, Minty Booth. Fuck you say? And we are discussing our all-time top 100 favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Before we dive into the episode proper, we'd love to direct your attention to a few things, mainly because we're getting good at this. It's our YouTube channel, where the most recent activity has been the video series Inky Dunk that myself and Minty have been producing, where we are recording and commentating upon various runs of The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. We both recently started fresh save files in preparation for the forthcoming new DLC, and we've been having a great time putting even more hours into the game. There's a good dozen or so episodes up there now of that, so if you're new to roguelikes or Binding of Isaac, you'll certainly pick up some tips and tricks on how to maximise your runs, or even if you're a seasoned pro, you'll you'll hopefully still find an enjoyable watch, and and, uh, well, maybe you'll learn something as well. So please do head over to YouTube and search for Our Three Cents, and subscribe to the channel like the videos and share them about the place and if you're looking to get even more out of the podcast then you can head over to patreon.com slash our three cents to have a look at the amazing perks on offer in exchange for some pennies of sponsorship from your good selves this bonus content includes full bonus episodes exclusive deleted scenes and outtakes including additional video content as well there's custom artwork access to the patreon exclusive discord channel which is a very nice place to be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this week we have Minty's ninth favourite video game of all time. I can't wait to hear it. I mean, I've heard about 91 really good games from Minty and Turok. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just kidding. I have no opinion on that. Before we get into that, though, it's time to return to the quiz. Chris has extended his lead by one point again. So let's see what happens with this one. It's only one. The characters of Soul Calibur are fighting for what magical object? A sword? I'm going to need something more specific than that. The Soul Calibur itself. The Soul Edge. That is the correct answer. Oh. Well done, Minty. I, d- I didn't have a clue. I was going to say an amulet. <laughs> Love. <laughs> a hug. <laughs> Congratulations, Minty. That's 47 all. Wow. The only thing I know about Soul Calibur, never played one, but all I know is that Soul Calibur 2 had Link in it. Yeah, it did. Yeah, the GameCube version did, yeah. I think the Xbox version had Yoda. Oh. I might have made that up. That was that was a later one. I think that generation, the Xbox one, had Spawn. I think it was Spawn, yeah, yeah. Spawn? There was another version as well, wasn't there? Another one had had uh, the fellow from Tekken, was it? So it would have been the PlayStation version. Must yeah. have had yeah. some Tekken I chat. Think so. I'm pretty sure that the GameCube version massively outsold the uh, the other the other copies uh, because yeah. of Link's inclusion in, in two, which mm. is pretty cool. So before we move on to Minty's ninth favorite video game of all time, 
what have we been playing this week? Minty, why don't you kick us off? What what have you been playing in the last few days? Well, I haven't been playing a huge breadth of things, but as I knew would happen, I've played a lot of Binding of Isaac. Wonderful. It, it's consumed me, I'm afraid. <laughs> I've played so much of it. The first couple of Inky Dunk videos I did a couple of weeks back, those were the only two that I did on normal mode. Yeah. Because like you said, why play through it twice when you could play through it once and get everything that you would unlock in those two playthroughs? Exactly. Yeah, so I've been knocking out a few decent runs there, a few of which have been put online. Yeah, I'm surprising myself by how much I remember and how like not terrible I am at the game. I remember <laughs> I used to be rubbish at it. But, no, I'm, I'm surprising myself by how far I'm getting and how much I'm enjoying it still. It's It's an unceasingly fun game. Yeah, it really, really is. I find myself, outside of recording the runs for Inky Dunk, I, I find myself a bit afraid of playing it in case I have a really good run that I'm not recording. This is, <laughs> every time I've sort of got down to maybe uh, like the womb, I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty well here. I should have been recording it. but then i don't want to start recording because like 90 percent of them i just die yeah exactly yeah there's a few of my videos that where it's been like my second or third attempt at a run (laughs) and and i've like introduced the episode two or three times in the last like half hour and then got okay no no, 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 that's a good one well i'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of your your inky dunk runs your minty dunk runs as well have you played anything else minty no that's it i'm afraid is all consuming yeah Although I have, um, I have got an old laptop that I've got working again, so I am currently browsing Steam using what I'm hoping I'll be able to find and sort by oldest, so that I don't have, <laughs> so I can actually find a, a nice little thing that actually runs on it. There's all sorts on there. Yeah. So any listeners who have some recommendations that will run on something that's probably powered by peat, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the messenger is on sale at the moment on Steam. Uh, it's about seven quid, and I think you would have an incredible time with that. And uh, the highest that ever gets is sixteen bit. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure it would be it would run uh, quite nicely. How about you, Chris? What have you played this week? Well, as you've all touched on with your inky dunk and minty dunk stuff, I've been playing more Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Like I said last week, the inky dunk runs from you two are really helping. Good. Like, I, I'm not just saying it to, to force you to work. Like, it, <laughs> it gen- genuinely is making me better at playing the game. And when I sit down now, I feel like I'm more methodical in how I approach each room. I'm thinking a bit more about item choices because I've seen you guys pick them up and I might you know, start to actually understand what they do and, and what they relate to. I'm sort of scouring for coins and rocks or, or whatever in, in certain orders, actually thinking about how I approach the floor. And in some cases, I'm saving my own poor choices by thinking carefully about other options that kind of like follow on naturally. And I, I really like in this game how obviously there's the synergy in items that you've both talked about mm. and, and I vaguely understand. But there's also kind of the synergy across uh, like the game's currencies and how they interact. So I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can be in a position where I think, okay, I'm at the end of a floor. I've just beaten the boss. I am low on life. So maybe I'm going to go to the shop because there could be a soul heart there, but I don't have a key to enter. But I could look for marked rocks or I could look for colored flames that I could bomb and maybe that would give me a key. And then, oh, I got lucky. Huzzah, I can move on. And then I get to the shop, I unlock it, but there's no health there right now, but I do have a bomb that I can <laughs> use on the reroll machine and whatever else. And it's that kind of stuff that I'm I'm starting to think about the progression 
of of kind of items and rooms and currencies and all these things that feed into the moment to moment gameplay of the Binding of Isaac. And I don't think I ever really appreciated that properly. I think I was always just blasting in and just hoping something good happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, watching you watching you both play your runs has made me think that yeah, sometimes you're going to get a bit unfortunate, you're going to get unlucky, you will take damage in places. But whereas before I might have thought, well, fuck it, who cares then, might as well just quit. It's like, no, there are actually lots of ways out of most situations unless you get really, really kind of backed into a corner. So yeah, still really enjoying it. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. I've probably played another 10 hours of The Outer Worlds as well. Oh, nice. I I think I probably could have beaten the game by now if I wasn't getting so absorbed in like scouting for side quests constantly. (laughs) That's how they get you. I know, I know. And an awful lot of them have relatively little payout in terms of actual like loot or currency or money or whatever but they often have like a story that's worth pursuing or or that I enjoy enough to want to kind of see it through to its little mini conclusion like one notable one recently I was asked by a factory foreman to make an absentee return to work I dug for clues in their apartment and then found out that they were essentially like a drug runner because I bumped into a tweaker who was just kind of hanging around the building looking for them as well but then kind of finding out that they'd gone to to do a drop on the outskirts of town, you know, I made my way to that house in question, was greeted by a strange over-familiar family who seemed insistent that I stayed for dinner with my crew as they seldom got company. Whilst making myself at home and wandering through the floors of their house and they finished cooking, I spoke to the family's daughter, who seemed very hopeful that I'd come to drop off more, I think she called them rocket lollies, which was obviously a, a suggestion of whatever the drug was that was being peddled. I snooped about a bit more and then broke into a room at the top of the house using my pro lock picking skills and then found the drug runner's body like tied down and disfigured. Mm-hmm. And then when when I made my way back downstairs and confronted the the patriarch of the household, the whole encounter just fell into violence. I ended up having to to murder the entire family essentially. Oh, Chris. But it made me find out like in, in picking through their possessions and notes and things around the house that they were essentially going to just serve me up the body as like a cannibal surprise. Jesus. And that he had originally come to the house to tell him that he was no longer comfortable with stealing the drugs from his place of work to give to them. So that's why they, they took matters into their own hands. But all that plays out in like a little half an hour segment. That's lovely. And it felt like a surprisingly layered and organic bit of storytelling. Yeah. And like I said last week, I, I know that games like this have existed for a long time and narratives in games like this have existed for a long time. But because... I haven't spent the last decade playing Bethesda RPGs and and I haven't played a lot of that kind of like computer RPG stuff. It's all fresh to me. (laughs) So I'm I'm still really enjoying it. Good. The other game that I have played and I believe you may have played Jonathan and I think (laughs) Minty may be playing in the future is Mario 3D World. Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Plus Bowser's Fury. Oh, and and he is furious. It's a really nice port of a really nice Wii U game. I can't remember what position it was on my list exactly, but it was high. Yeah, it was uh, 21. There we go. So not that long ago, really. And I think it's a game that represents some of the best kind of 3D platforming that that Mario offers as a franchise. Mm. And, I, and I really like in this game, having this kind of like double pack, it really showcases two very different sides to the same franchise. Like thinking about Mario just as the character in a platform game like ignoring the sports stuff ignoring mario kart and everything else mario 64 and sunshine and odyssey are very different to mario galaxy and and 3d world which is also very different to the new super mario brothers game and and the classic 2d entries which are also now i think different to bowser's fury yeah 
like they're just they're all different kind of pillars of the same genre they're subgenres in themselves somehow within kind of the genre that is the mario platformer yeah and yeah i I really like it i mean we, we can talk a little bit about bowser's fury in a bit but i'm mainly interested to know how you've got on with 3d world because it, you were the one out of the three of us who had not played it prior yeah and I, I think I said when one one of you were talking was talking about it that the, the reason why I kind of steered clear of it or, or well not steered clear of it but just you know didn't have that sort of impetus to pick it up was because of how great a time I had with Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS yeah and the reason well one of the main reasons why I had such a good time with that is because of the stereoscopic 3D and that's what I think makes this sort of hybrid between 3D and 2D setup work is actually being able to see properly depth of field. Yeah. And it means that in these little dioramas, you can fling yourself around with the same kind of abandon that you have in like a full 3D Mario game where you've got full control of the camera, but without actually having to move the camera at all. And that was just, that was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. It was like when I first saw football in 3D. Uh, not like, you know, going to a game, but like on TV <laughs> in 3D. All of a sudden, yeah. I could actually see on TV where the ball was in relation to, <laughs> you know, when the ball was in the air, I, all of a sudden I could see where it was. And that, that was a total game changer. Yeah. And to be honest, I still kind of feel that way. Having played, and I've, I've played through... All of the game, <laughs> apart from the uh, the last the last world that you unlock by getting all the stamps and all the green stars and getting all gold flags, which I'm you know I'm now probably about halfway towards unlocking. <laughs> just just for context, the game came out two days ago. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is very very good. It is very very good, and I think Cat Mario is absolutely brilliant, and I love the kind of the the extra sort of level of of polish and and shine and design that's actually at play here over say 3d land but without having that depth perception i feel like it 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 ruins a lot of levels and it makes me feel that i know (laughs) it makes it makes me feel that the game is is cheating me as opposed to me failing because it's like well i didn't think that was there yeah you can sort of tilt the camera to go in a couple of different angles to help you but when you're in the middle of a tough platforming section, you, your fingers are all used up, you know? Controversial. I mean, it, 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 I'm, I'm only I'm only opening with the negatives because I agree with all of the positives that you've said about it. Yeah. And I've still obviously, obviously, obviously I've enjoyed playing through all of, all of the game. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to unlocking the, the last world. The final, final level is a level that famously broke one of our fans, Mr. Yoan Gwynn. <laughs> um, and I've promised him that I will live stream myself attempting it when I unlock it. I mean, on on that, like the, the idea of the 3D, mm. I've I've said many times how much I love the 3DS. When, when you played this game, Minty, when you had had it on the Wii U, yeah, I can't remember if if you'd put that like, had you really enjoyed 3D Land before? Oh, I didn't. I don't think I did enjoy it as much as Jonathan did, or as much as I enjoyed 3D World. Yeah, because I, I I feel the same as that, and and I just it's interesting to see we're we're all coming at these games very positively. But the thing that's kind of made one stand out more than, than the other, I suppose, is, is different for all of us. I didn't really play 3D Land with the 3D on, apart from those bits where... It tells you to. <laughs> it tells you to, yeah. The bits with all the blocks. That, oh, they're yeah. in a pyramid. Turn on the 3D. Oh, no, no, there's some missing and you can go behind them and all the rest of it. 
I think I was soured by the fact that in most games on the 3DS up till that point, 3D was just seemed to be treated as an afterthought. Yeah. If I if I'd played 3D Land more and been like, okay, this is a game that is made with the 3D as a as a core element, and given it more attention in that regard, maybe I would have liked it more. Mm. I think that was one of the reasons why it had such a big impact on me is because it was the first game I played in 3D where it felt like it was it warranted it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like in the same way that the DS Zelda games, they were like, right, we're going to make a game that you just use the touchscreen for. And it's not crowbarred in as a feature on like it is on a lot of games. They designed everything about how the game worked around having to use the touchscreen and proved that you can do it. And yeah, it just felt it felt it felt like such a perfect fit. And I just I, I, it's just it's something nice about those because they're like little dioramas. It's, it's just such a nice little fit, like to see it in 3D, like you've got it right there, like in your hands. I mean, I've played the majority of 3D World handheld. Yeah, I think it just makes me miss that more. I don't feel like it, I don't feel like the game steps up that formula to a point where I go, okay, this is a much, much bigger game and it's a full console game. It still sort of feels like that small handheld game, which is, which is yeah. great. Just without that, without that element that made, that made 3D Land so special to me, I think. I think there's definitely something to that because the, the 3D, like you say, it gives, 3D lands like a proper sense of tactility. Yeah. When you look at like I've been playing 3D World on the TV primarily, just big as as big as I can get it, and and all the materials in that game they have like a shine and they have kind of like a texture which makes them feels like these little bits of toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a really like playful kind of design in that sense, and and I I do agree. Like if it was in 3D, everything would have this sort of glossy feel, like you say that you you could pick it up and and grab it. it it's like a really yeah. pleasant thing. And and you do lose that. I think it's it's impossible to kind of not have that feeling a little bit. And really, it just goes back to the arguments we've had a few times that I think is a crying shame. The 3DS is probably the last console that's ever going to bother with 3D. Yeah. Outside of you know VR is a very different experience. Yeah. The idea of the glasses three 3D thing lived and died in that kind of five year period around Avatar's release. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's it, really, isn't it? That's that's the end of that industry. Thanks, James. <laughs> Wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I did foresee this uh, opinion. Obviously, that was my suspicion that I was going to feel like that. But I did. I foresaw something, which is why I, I did buy a copy of Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker for 3DS. Oh, I bet it's lovely. And it is absolutely stunning. I've, I've only played a couple of levels because I thought I'm going to play Super Mario 3D World and I'm really going to want to play Captain Toad and I'm definitely going to want to play that in 3d it, like 3d 3d but it is um i love those little bonus levels in the uh in 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 the game in 3d world and it's so nice that you know they've gone full sonic and knuckles plus sonic one with captain toad uh, which is it's a very very niche reference oh, it's a good reference <laughs> yeah I think one of the things that sort of struck me with 3D World is I think we're now... <laughs> this is such a fucking ridiculous sentence I'm about to say. Is that we're now living in a post-lives world in terms of games. Like, I don't see the point in having lives in the game. Yeah, it means yeah. nothing. There's a lot of things that feel quite dated in 3D World. Not not just because it's an older game. Like, scrolling levels, always miserable. I always find them miserable. <laughs> uh, like, I hate them. I absolutely hate them. The levels where you have to ride on Plessy were just a pain in the fucking ass. 
Oh, I love them. Oh, I love Plessy. You're such a misery gut. Stand down, Jonathan. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's going to be a full inquiry about this episode. Hang. <laughs> <laughs> However, there's so much stuff in the game that I feel is done so much better in Bowser's Fury. Uh. It feels like that is exactly where this formula can go like plessy for a start is amazing in uh in bowser's fury you've got a much better sense of control over him or her they it <laughs> and and it's got a real function in terms of like getting you around this like archipelago where you where the game's taking place and the fact that it's open world is extraordinary like i had this thought when we were talking about uh, super mario 64 and i think you were playing the pc version and yeah. I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or if I said it to to either of you, but thinking about how great like an open world version of Super Mario 64 would be, where instead of having to go into the paintings, it was just a full Mushroom Kingdom. And you could yeah. you could just go and do the objectives in whatever order you wanted, and it was all just there. And that is what Bowser's Fury has done. I think it is just wonderful. I think it is absolutely brilliant. At first, I wasn't sure that the... the like the Bowser's Fury gimmick thing really works where every five minutes or something, the whole world turns to shit and you've got to like (laughs) take shelter from Bowser um, or fight him. But I've I've really, really grown to like that now. And I hope that it's a proof of concept for where this, like you're saying, this like sub tier of Mario 3D or Mario of, of Mario platformers goes. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's so much potential. I just want to explore. Cat Mario makes sense because you, it's a great way of exploring a 3D world. You've got all these little dioramas dotted around the place and these little micro missions that works really, really well for the sort of the 3D world setup. But it's also got a, a real sense of the, the full 3D games as well because those are those are the sort of objectives you end up doing. But it's just, yeah, I think it's... I think it's incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible. From what I've played of Bowser's Fury, I, I, I think it's a better game than Super Mario 3D World. Yeah. And that's not me saying that I think Super Mario 3D World is a bad game at all. I think it is absolutely brilliant. It's a 9 out of 10 game. Oh. But it doesn't do enough different from Super Mario 3D Land Yeah. to make up for what it takes away from Super Mario 3D Land, which is stereoscopic 3D. I'll give you that. Whereas Bowser's Fury is doing something really, really fresh and exciting. And uh, I'm more excited to get back and play that than I am to go back through and try and find all the green stars in 3D World. But yeah, it's I, I'm really, really glad to have finally played it and playing it properly. And, and like I said, it is not me. This is not me c- coming down on it. Because um, I, I do think it is absolutely brilliant, but it, it proves that I'm, I'm not just Nintendo biased. I, I do have criticism throwing yeah. thing against yeah. things that that aren't uh, the Last of Us. I'd, I've played probably I don't know. I think I've got ten or fifteen shines in Bowser's Fury, so I, I haven't made a huge amount of progress yet. Okay, yeah, but I do like how, in comparison to 3D World, it is gloriously sloppy. I would call it. Yeah, and 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 I think by by that I mean it's very intense. Like the, the first few minutes of playing, when everything's just kicking off in in you know the opening, yeah. Georgia Georgia was sat next to me playing The Sims and sort of looked up and it was like, "Whoa, what's what's happening here?" <laughs> it's like the, the, there's an awful lot going on, and it's yeah, it's it's just it's a totally different feeling. Yeah, and I think the the genius of pairing these two games together is that they obviously have 
shared similarities and their control schemes and power-ups and everything else. But you've got 3D World that I, I honestly think is Mario at its slickest. Like a stage is a single idea that is stretched as far as it will go and then just dropped for something completely yeah. different the next stage. Whereas Bowser's Fury is like, okay, we've got all these ideas and we're just hulking them all at a wall. <laughs> and and for every one of these little mini islands, it's like, you might have a bit of that, you might have a bit of that. It's, it's like someone's knocked over a, a whole sort of spice cabinet and you're just <laughs> making sense of whatever flavors you can pick up. It's It's a really... Yeah, intense is the best word. I think. I think the more the more you play it, I'm I'm at about thirty uh, odd something shines now, and you start to when you start to become f- f- familiar with the type of puzzles and the type of areas, it, it it's getting it's getting used to a whole new lexicon. Yeah, you know, and going, oh, okay, so there's a find the cat mission probably on this little bit of the island, or there's a find all the cat shine shards on 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 each of these, or you know, oh, hit, let's find the secret boxing ring section in this bit, and you start to know what to look out for because it is, as with any sort of open world game, even though this is a small small one, it is always very intimidating when it first opens up. You know, sort of spreads its cheeks and opens it opens up in front of you. Uh, you don't quite know how to enter it. I'm cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing Minty talk about it in the in the near future. Mm. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to to, to hearing what you make of it. I'm, I'm certainly a bit enticed. I reckon that if they release that on the eShop for you know, seventeen ninety nine, it would be a big hit. Yeah, gangbusters. Mm. In terms of other stuff I've played this week, because as you said, I've only been playing Super Mario 3D World for two days. <laughs> We've got five more days to cover. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I have managed to get a bit more PlayStation 5 activity going, mm-hmm. and I finished Spider-Man Remastered, which was absolutely brilliant. Good. The story was phenomenal really really well told and performed it's right up there with like my favorite spider-man stories i mean what well, outside of the comics which I've, I've never read but like it's up there with like into the spider-verse and some of the better feature films it was it just hit all the all the right notes it had a very emotional finale that oh yeah it just made me want to crack straight on with mars morales as well which which, which I've, I've made a start on it but i'm going to put it down for now and and try and plow on through demon souls which I've, I've played a bit more of and you know also continues to be a belter <laughs> a big good game on the smaller side of things i have also been enjoying a really good new apple arcade game which is a puzzle game from a group of nordic developers based in thailand they're called licky studios and the game is called lumen oh it's a nice name it is a fairly straightforward setup in that you're it's given a grid so there's something casting a beam of light or a couple of beams of light and then you rotate mirrors and other things on the grid to direct the light into the lenses to complete the puzzle it's not reinventing the wheel in terms of puzzle games or light direction manipulation based puzzles but what it is, is really, really nicely presented. It's it's silky smooth. It's got this nice sort of like steampunk Victoriana aesthetic. And it all just, it works really beautifully. It's just a very, very charming little game. It's, it's not in the same league as something like Grindstone, obviously. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's worth subscribing to Apple Arcade for best part of a year just to play it. But, uh, <laughs> but if you do have a subscription definitely check it out and if it is released outside of apple arcade then i'd definitely recommend picking it up for a few quid 
And yeah, it's been occupying my fingers as, as much as my usual iPhone cocktail of happy colour and words with friends. So, so that's really, really nice. Now, something else. I teased this last week and I'm really, really excited to talk about the, well, to be honest, it's the main game that's occupied my brain for, for the last couple of weeks, which is this new indie game on the Switch called Blue Fire. Oh, and yes. it's from a new independent developer based in Argentina called Robbie Studios, R-O-B-I Studios. And I remember the game first sort of captured my attention when it was featured in one of the Nintendo indie showcases. And it had this gorgeous, like, Zelda-style setup, with, like, cel-shaded art style. It looked very beautiful and moody. And, yeah, it looked to be like a proper 3D-style Zelda adventure, but with quite elaborate 3D platforming elements and also a healthy dose of Dark Souls injected in there for, for you know, for, for good use. It was painfully up my street. And I mentioned it in our 2020 Roundup episode that it was one of the games I was most looking forward to this year. And so I obviously had no problem picking it up day one, and it has just been an absolute joy since I first turned it on. Firstly, it's get something right that a lot of indie games don't get right, especially when it comes to 3D platforming. But this game feels absolutely fantastic to control. There's loads of movement abilities you unlock as you progress through the game as well, such as being able to run along walls, dash in the air, double jump like all, all kinds of things and it all feels so fluid that that once you get used to your expanding moveset you'll be flipping and jumping and running around the admittedly quite complex and dangerous terrain with the same sort of abandon as you would in mario odyssey Ooh. the thing that it does differently to mario odyssey is that like i said it is dangerous terrain one wrong step and you and you, you know you're fallen off and you're dead so there is a real risk reward element to it which is something it gets from like you know dark souls but the combat is really really fun it's quite simple you've got like a ranged magic attack you've got a magical shield and a couple of different moves for your sword but when you combine it with your your movement and all of that stuff it, it's just really really great i mean it's, it is it's nowhere near as as combat focused as something like dark souls and it is a lot more focused on the 3D platforming side of things than something like Zelda, you know, which took, what, 30 years to get a jump button. <laughs> you can't rush these things. No, exactly. And there's loads of little challenge areas that are like it, it sort of self-contained, entirely platforming-based bits of Blue Fire, not too dissimilar from like the secret areas in Mario Sunshine, where you have to use all of your moves and movement mechanics to traverse some insanely tricky environments to collect gems to upgrade certain things and then if you complete the little level you get an extra heart container i mean they're amazing and so punishing but crucially it always feels like you're the one who's mucked up <laughs> it does you don't feel cheated by it so you don't mind going back and trying again and again and again and again it's all just a, a brilliant mix that feels like it takes a, a lot of inspiration from games but but it doesn't hide that but what it does is then present it in such a, a new fresh way that it's just a really exciting game. Like, I've recently, I, I tried starting to play Immortals Phoenix Rising on the PS5. Yeah. And within like five minutes, it was so brazenly obvious that it was ripping off every bit of Breath of the Wild that it could. And, you know, in the first hour of playing it, I hadn't really seen it do anything different or strikingly new that, that, that it, you know... I just lost interest because, yeah, like I said, it, it it just didn't do anything anything new. You know, anything that it was doing in terms of its script or its platforming or its exploration or its combat, even its graphics, I just, yeah, not exciting. 
Whereas Blue Fire makes me really excited for where franchises like Zelda or, or, or you know, Mario could go next if they're going to embrace some different wider game setups, like we've just talked about with Bowser's Fury. Yeah. And and whilst like you certainly can feel Dark Souls fingerprints on the game, like like you can with many games these days, it, it doesn't owe as much to that as it does to a game like Hollow Knight, which obviously lends a huge amount to Dark Souls. But like if somebody told you this was a 3D Hollow Knight game, you'd believe it. Uh, and, and that excites me for where that franchise could go as well. But you know, what they've done is they've spotted they've spotted a, a little hole to go, I reckon that this could work like this. And it does. It really, really does. The mood, the mood that the game establishes is is fantastic. It's it's dark and moody, but also got you know this cell shaded, colourful style to it. And it was, it was not without a dash of whimsy. <laughs> <laughs> and the soundtrack is gorgeous. It's so so good. Fully orchestrated. Like the polish on the game overall is quite outstanding for an indie game, especially. At the moment, there are a few little bugs lurking in the game which is obviously inevitable with an indie game where they haven't got you know the scope to get it play tested within an inch of its life but i've i've joined the developers discord channel and, and that's been great because like they they they've been responding really well to feedback on the game you know spotting bugs and stuff like that and and suggestions over what maybe to tweak in terms of its design and literally just this weekend, a patch has been released for Steam and released for the Switch version for approval. So I reckon it'll probably be it'll probably be updated by the time this episode comes out. But none of those bugs have actually impeded in any of my enjoyment of the game. It's fantastic exactly as it is, but when it's going to be even more stable, I can't recommend it highly enough. Like it's it's I mean, I know it's only halfway through February, but it's game of the year for me so far and i think it's just yeah i i really really love it i can't recommend it highly enough wow it also has a easy setting on it so if you don't want the grueling challenge and it it can be very very tough especially at the beginning before you sort of establish your, your full sort of move set it's got a little uh newcomer i think it's called newcomer difficulty setting that i think makes it you know more inviting than something that is obviously quite punchy like dark Souls or, or, or hollow knight yeah outstanding well so the time has come for minty to tell us all about his ninth favorite video game of all time i'm so excited i'm really excited i've got a low alcohol cider and a, a flagon of talc when you're ready <laughs> minty oh lovely <laughs> when i was growing up i developed uh, what I realised in hindsight was a rather self-sabotaging contrarian streak that means there's an entire world of things that are really quite good <laughs> that I either have no idea about or groundlessly hate because they're popular. <laughs> Elton John, for example. Yeah. He's done some good stuff. Don't, don't begrudge him his success at all. And I only realised a couple of years ago when Jonathan and I watched Rocket Man. There was a wonderful moment when we watched that because um, me and Sammy absolutely loved that film and it was during a time when you were living with us and we put it on and I'd said we're watching this and and as is your way you were just lovingly there and I couldn't gauge whether or not you were enjoying it or not (laughs) because you know you don't give much away I hoped you were but then there was a point right at the end of the film where Elton is in rehab 
and he finds a piano in one of like the music therapy rooms and he's very very unsure whether or not he uh, he kind of wants to you know wants to sit down at it and i just heard minty under his breath just go go and play it elton <laughs> <Go on. laughs> um and uh, it's one of my favorite favorite memories of you that minty oh that's nice i was thrilled that it had, uh, it had resonated with you <laughs> as you were yes well because of my personal tastes and the things that i like to pass my time with it does mean that there are lots of incredibly popular games that i just have no clue about and really no, no desire to make the effort to start enjoying I mean, FIFA? Could not give less of a shit if I tried. <laughs> online gaming? The only online gaming I'm doing is trying to hang up my washing quicker than the last time. <laughs> That's the shit they come for. Mm. Grand Theft Auto? Sorry, never going to try it because people in high school liked it. <laughs> I denied myself these pleasures in my youth and now I'm past the age where you develop that uh, that psychological block that stops you enjoying new things. There was one game, though, that managed to slip through. Join me. I grew up reading all kinds of gaming rags, and there was one official Nintendo magazine that slapped a gold medal on anything that Nintendo shat out, irrespective of quality. Uh, 97 out of 100 to Donkey Kong 64, things of that nature. (laughs) It became a tiresome read, and I soon stopped. I figured that all review magazines were just glossy knots of toadying and started to look further afield for recommendations. Reviews from real people, whose words were just slightly bittered by actually having to pay money for the games that they were talking about. <laughs> and in the middle of those two extremes emerged, uh, in my consciousness, the internet reviewer Ben Yahtzee Croshaw, host of the Escapist's Zero Punctuation, Ooh. which was a entertaining five-minute rant that came out every week reviewing a hyped-up AAA game with... Uh, with bile and ferocity that blended the legitimacy of the print media I'd grown weary of years prior with the unfettered opinions of faceless Play.com reviewers. (laughs) Absolutely slurped them up. I was always aware that none of these videos were particularly positive, so I never really took away anything that was like, oh, well, that sounded quite good. Maybe Maybe I'll give it a go. Until the Year in Review episode came out that handed out awards to games for being terrible in various categories, but also to Saints Row 2 for being extremely good. And the tone of Whiplash was enough to get me to grab a copy the next day, and he was right. It's a fantastic game. (laughs) So good, in fact. I think it's my ninth favourite video game of all time. Wow. How about that? A few weeks ago... I installed Saints Row 2 on my, my laptop and I messaged Minty because I know you've talked about Saints Row before. And Minty's response at the time was, I'm not ready to talk about this game. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew that would either be that it was a very positive opinion on it or a very negative one. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. Now I know. Well, now you know. It picks up where the first game left off. You wake up after five years in a coma following an explosion on your yacht in which time three rival gangs have taken over the streets of Stillwater and carved up your turf. So it's time to recruit new lieutenants and take back what's yours. It's a familiar setup for games of this ilk, but where this game shines is how it uses more cartoonish humour, visuals and set pieces to heighten the darker parts of the story. It's a game about gangs, of course it's going to be dark, but using humour heightens the drama, 
the tension and the fun in a in a in a douche écossais of drugs, <laughs> prostitutes, and murder. Popular opinion puts Saints Row Three as the better game of the two. And technically, yes, it's it's a much better game. It looks better. It plays better. It's not quite as buggy. But where Saints Row Two really shines is the story. It's full to the brim with just incredible cutscenes that cram in so much character and so many memorable moments that it it's just it's absolutely untouchable. Saints Row Three disappointed me because the cutscenes just top and tail missions with little clips that were basically ah. Oh, Meet me outside the weapon store, and then we'll go and uh, and then we'll, then we'll go uh, sh- shoot up um, the, the gang in this part of town, and then you would have the uh, the ending cutscene once you've beaten the mission of everybody sort of banging the table, going, "What are we going to do about these ding dang saints? <laughs> Get them in a row!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> in Saints Row Two, however, you see. In those same cutscenes, you see friendships developing in your in your new crew. You uncover the reasons why they joined you, why they personally hate the rival gangs, or the reasons why they feel compelled to help you, reluctantly in some cases. For example, at the start of the storyline where you take out uh, the Brotherhood, which uh, I took out the last of the three gangs, you're offered an 80-20 split of the profits of their next illegal shipment in exchange for working under their incredibly enormous leader, Mero. And naturally, uh, you refuse, and the next mission has you uh, destroying some of his cars and his trucks in response to such an insultingly low offer. Cool, mission complete. The cutscene is just going to be uh, Mero slamming his fist on the table and vowing revenge, right? No, no, no. During that mission, you also picked up a vat of toxic waste that you planted in his tattooist sink reserves. So the cutscene is you watching half of his face burn off. It's a completely unnecessary story beat, but it's just fantastic. So you've got three three rival gangs. You've got the Brotherhood that we talked about, who do sort of protection rackets, uh, extortion, all that sort of thing. You've got the Ronin, who do things like, uh, I think their main thing is prostitution and money laundering. I think they own a casino. Clean and the filth. Yeah, yeah. Laundering and, and, and whores. <laughs> and there's there's one particular cutscene as you play through the uh, the Ronin storyline, which I'm not going to spoil for Chris and for anybody um, playing it, but there's just a few peppered about that make you think, oh boy, this is actually, this is really dark, isn't it? Goodness gracious. So you've got one to look forward to there. And this particular one that I'm talking about, all I'm going to say is the word graveyard. Ooh, spooky. So once you once once you play it, you'll probably be affected as I was once you watch the cutscene, and then you'll be like, "Oh yes, yes, that's the one he was talking about." <laughs> and that was the one where I started to really take notice of uh, the mission complete screens, because every time you complete a mission, you get a, a like a you get you know you get your respect gauge going up, you get the money that you got for completing the mission, and it also summarizes your performance with a newspaper. Like the the newspaper from the next day talking about all of your exploits, which I think is just a really nice nice in universe way of showing you the impact that you're having on this place outside of just oh there's somebody over there wearing purple where they would be wearing yellow that must be because we're doing well as a gang. <laughs> it's not all sort of you know dark and gritty and grim though far from it. The third gang is the Sons of Samadhi, 
who are the who are the drug traffickers and one of your lieutenants has a has a has an in with them and she's sort of the the classic sort of fun laid-back stoner type and she comes up with a plan to destroy some of their weed farms and instead of just being like okay well we're just going to go and kill we're just going to go and shoot everybody and then you know tear all the crops up uh, she gets hold of a helicopter and a rocket launcher and you just spend the whole mission flying around the city blowing up all these different weed crops that doesn't escape the attention of your character and he says we could have just done this easily just gone in and shot everyone and she goes yeah i thought it would be just be good times <laughs> i think that really captures the essence of saints row 2 in 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 one little bit of dialogue it is just good times it's fantastic and i don't know if this is because this was the first saints row game i played but what i really really liked about this game which puts it above number three and number four for me is each of the mission is its own separate activity you've got your you've got your city map and along with all the uh, all the shops and all the missions that you can do you've also got activities like deliver drugs from here to here to get you some xp and some money go commit insurance fraud that's another activity something to do isn't it <laughs> well yeah yeah insurance fraud is really really fun as well because you basically it turns off gravity and you just have ragdoll physics and you just have to fling yourself at trucks it's incredibly fun <laughs> But in, in three and four, most of those activities are are what you do in the story missions. So if you just sort of drive around the map and think, oh, there's an activity, I'll do that. You might go a little bit further down the story itself and it'll just immediately tick off one of the objectives because you'd already done it as that activity. But in Saints Row 2, every story mission was its own thing. So not only did you have the whole of the whole of the game to play, but you also had a load of different side missions as well. I just really liked that. Yeah, that's it. That's Saints Row 2. A fantastically fun, violent, and excellent game. I love it. Saints Row 2. Fantastic. I mean, I've only played, uh, like I mentioned when you brought up Saints Row before, I, I played the first one. Mm. Uh, it was one of the first games I bought on my 360. And and I think the issue at that stage was it had none of its own identity. No, no. And by the sounds of it, that's what really was introduced in two, uh, you know, from, from what you kind yeah. of explain. I think the player character had two lines in the first one. Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole thing was, it was very much just a case of we can do a slightly shinier version of, of GTA. And that, that's all the first game yeah. was. It just took itself too seriously. It was just very po-faced. Hmm. And, and I think to have that kind of balance in tone that it sounds like two onwards has is, is what gave the series its own character. And yet they're the ones I've never played. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you carry on with number two. Yeah, I would like to. It's, it's a lot of the time because I, I have such a big Steam library of just games. I, I never had a laptop or PC to play. I do have this bad habit of installing stuff and going like, oh, well, that runs. And then just doing something else. So I, it's it's good sometimes to have either of you really like really big something up to make me actually go back and say, no, that's what I'm going to spend a bit of time with. So I think maybe Saints Row 2 will get bumped up the list slightly. So there we go. Minty's ninth favourite video game of all time was... Saints Row 2. Woo! How superb. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do share the podcast on social media. Tell your friends about it. You can engage with us on social media as well. Facebook.com slash R3Cents. Instagram, Twitch and TikTok at O3C Podcast. And please do check out our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search for R3Cents. Subscribe to that channel, please. We would love that. And we'll make more videos and more amazing things for you to enjoy. You can take us to task individually on our opinions. Tell us what you think about these games. Tell us what games you're playing. Tell us what your top 10 favourite video games of all time are. We'd love to hear what that is. You can find me on Titter at Jonathan Dunn. Did you say Titter? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Facebook at... <laughs> you can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I'm Clement underscore Boo. And please do check out our Patreon page as well, where there's tons of amazing stuff you can get in exchange for some sponsorship. We would love it if you became one of that Patreon community. Patreon.com slash R3Cents. And please do join us next week, where I will be telling you what my ninth favourite video game of all time is. Here we go. I hope you're ready for it. Well, we'll be next week. Well... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready now. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. But... Yeah, I've got no. a busy few days on. Hi Stu! Hi Luke! Do you fancy doing a podcast covering every segment of every episode of the beloved 90s cartoon Animaniacs? No, I hate Animaniacs. Join me, Luke, the Warner lover, and him, Stu, the Warner resistor, for Animani Chat, covering every segment of every episode of the hit 90s cartoon Animaniacs, as well as its many spin-offs, including comics, video games, and the movie, not to mention the recent reboot. It's gonna be explainy to the max. Oh... Retrograde Amnesia is a comprehensive podcast where we relive a classic Japanese RPG. Season 1 covers the cult classic Xenogears. In Season 2, we're covering Chrono Cross. Each episode, we take a section of the game and unpack the story, mechanics, music, and themes. And we have an AI companion, the FakeNet. It'll make sense later. Find Retrograde Amnesia wherever podcasts are found.